The U.S. men's national team was 20 seconds away from a berth into the round of 16, but that has now placed much more emphasis on Thursday's game against Germany. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. In Recife is Ivis Galarsep, who survived the Amazon in Manaus. Ivis, glad to see that you're alive. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yes, I, I have uh, managed to escape from my trip to the, the Amazon, and uh, no, nothing... Knock on wood, nothing bad has happened. Uh, I think it's been a few days now. I don't know what the uh, incubation cycle for any of those for any of the diseases <laughs> out there is, but I feel pretty good right now. Uh, I've been in I've been in Recife since Monday morning. I uh, was here for the uh, Mexico Croatia game. Great, amazing atmosphere. Great game. Mexico came out and played extremely well. Uh, represented Concacaf very well. And now we're on to the big USA. Germany game, but before we even get to that, we have to go back and talk about the USA-Portugal game. Yeah, and I mean, what a game it was for the U.S. Uh, to go down a goal early. I mean, just an unfortunate, just kind of mistimed ball by Jeff Cameron. Nani takes advantage of it right there. Portugal goes out in the fifth minute, but I mean, you had to give the U.S. men's national team, Ivis, a lot of credit. First half, you know, not the best showing from the U.S. Second half, much better than the first half. And, I mean, look, the U.S. came back and scored two goals. And it, the, the whole entire time, ESPN kept flashing things. You know, the U.S. has never beat a, you know, t- a European team in the World Cup. The U.S. has never come back and won a game after going down a goal. But, I mean, for the U.S. to come back and score two goals against Portugal, uh, I mean, it was a great show in the second half. But, I mean, just what unfortunate letdown late at the end of game. I mean, lots of fingers being pointed at Michael Bradley. I think some of that goes on the defense. Lots of guys ball watching. But just an overall, Ivis, when you look at the performance, though, I mean, much better this game than Ghana's game. Right. I mean, I think they did play better. Um, they created more. They they were the better team on the day. Um, they played the better soccer. And it was interesting to see the, the, the contrast from the opening game where they score early and then they kind of fall asleep. This time around, they give up the earlier goal. It wakes them up and then they, they really started to play. And, and I think... You know, not to take away too much from that, that that performance, but I mean, Portugal did not look good at all. I mean, they played pretty badly. Um, they weren't the, they weren't this powerhouse top five team that we would have expected. And to be fair, I mean, they have a lot of injuries they're dealing with. Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't seem like he's 100. Um, percent And the U.S., you know, they took advantage of that. And even with that, though, I mean, they really should have come away with the victory, mm-hmm. considering how how well they played. Um, so on one hand, it is encouraging and it is promising to see the team play that well but on the other hand to see them blow the late lead like that and yes Michael Bradley had his part to play but any anytime you got to play like that or a goal a goal like that there's got to be multiple breakdowns that lead to that uh, um, and that's what happened I mean you had you had Bradley um, even before that I mean I think not to, to, to get on DeAndre Edlin too much but you know maybe he runs out the clock a little bit yeah. longer Jeff Cameron obviously got beaten for, and he was involved on both of Portugal's goals. So it was a, it was a forgettable night for him. Um, so you, I know, I'm sure U.S. fans were really disgusted because they could taste the round of 16. Uh, to a man, the U.S. players were obviously upset, but they, you know, they, they can't afford to dwell on that. They know there's a game to come against Germany, the toughest game of the group. And, mm-hmm. you know, they can't sit there crying over spilled milk. They just have to move on. And, you know, it really sounds like they're ready to go for this next game. Well, that was the one thing I, I was so surprised after this game is the kind of the raw, raw, rawness on Twitter of everyone. Well, we played better here against Ghana and blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you took this game from the U.S. perspective, it took an unbelievable goal by Jermaine Jones. I mean, if you took the list of the 10 guys on the team who you thought was going to score, what would you put Jermaine Jones? Eight, nine, maybe? I mean, I, I, don't probably put, uh, I, I, I don't know about that. You know what I'm Maybe saying? But, really? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. I would have Jermaine Jones on, on the tail end of guys who I think would score for the U.S. out of that starting 11. And then you kind of get just a kind of a, 
you know, a goal that's just that's just hard work. The one that Dempsey scored right there, and, and that was kind of like the thing that I took from the game was I thought the U.S. played well, but I don't know. Maybe I have higher expectations for this team. And look, Portugal's not the fourth best team in the world. The FIFA rankings, as we all know, I mean, come on, it's like saying I mean, you really believe that Ghana is a team in the 30s ranking in the world? That's ridiculous. But the U.S. though. I thought I was, I thought they were going to come out and really kind of give it to Portugal. I thought the conservative start really hampered this team in the beginning of the match. And I thought they got things going in the second half. But the biggest drawback for me was that the U.S. didn't complete any passes. And I thought late in the game, they gave away the ball a lot in the midfield. Not, not that I'm saying that it wasn't a good performance, but I don't think it was as great a performance that the U.S. could have put out there. Right. I mean, it was, they could, they could have been better. No doubt about it. It was a sloppy game. Uh, um, and it has to be said that the conditions there, were not really conducive to like the most beautiful soccer. I mean, the field was very heavy. I can't even explain the humidity factor. I know there's no humidity in Arizona, but if you if you were down in the Amazon, you feel it. It's like you walk in and someone throws a hot, wet blanket all over you, all over your body, and you have to carry it around for the whole day. Um, but you know what? Both teams had to play in it, and it, it, but it just wasn't really conducive to, to the most attractive soccer. And having said that, the U.S. could have could have definitely done better. Jeff Cameron. Mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously he, he, he sets them back with that just shank of a, of a play. Beasley left his man a bit early. On one hand, you kind of say, Hey, you can't leave your guy. But on the other hand, you know, if you're in his shoes, you aren't expecting Cameron to shank that ball the way nope. that he did. So, you know, a couple of bad plays, but overall, I, I think it was positive. It was a performance mm-hmm. to build on. But again, they're going to have to do better and be better if they're going to get a result against Germany. No, they're going to have to. Going back to the goal that the Portugal did score at the end of the game, I think it's kind of a little unfair, Ivis, that a lot of the blame has been put on Michael Bradley in that situation. Kind of when you when you look at it in a slow motion replay, Portugal surrounded him with five guys, and then when Ronaldo got the ball, you had about five U.S. defenders go straight towards Ronaldo, and everyone just forgot to mark in the box. And that brings a interesting point right here. Not that I want to dog on Omar Gonzalez, because this isn't his fault, but Jurgen Klinsmann, I thought, should have brought in John Brooks, who would have stayed in the back. It would have been an anchor in the midfield right there. I, I thought a lot of could a lot of things could have gone differently for the U.S. if that happened. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, Omar Gonzalez was brought in and slotted in as a defensive midfielder, so... I mean, you, you would like to think that the six foot four guy you bring in would be in the penalty area for the last cross of the game, but... You know, he was, he, I guess he, you know, he got caught foot forward a little bit. I think, I still think Cameron's the guy to blame, though. I mean, he has to do better there. He has to deal with that cross. Um, and, and I even saw some people try to put that on Tim Howard and, and, and say how the ball was in the air a long time. And it's like, look, you play that at regular speed, that ball is coming in mm-hmm. super fast. It was the extremely well hit, world class cross from Ronaldo. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't see how you blame Howard on that. I, for me, Michael Bradley, Jeff Cameron, are the guys that on that last play really needed to do better. Um, some positives from the game, though. Jermaine Jones, Ivis. I mean, someone before the World Cup said that Jermaine Jones is going to be the most steady midfielder. I, I would have said that you're lying. I mean, Jermaine Jones is, is looking outstanding at the World Cup right now. Oh, no doubt about it. He stepped it up. And for me, he was man of the match again. That's two straight games. I know some people will say Fabian Johnson, but uh, I just thought he did so much work. Obviously, he scores the goal. Um, and, and he, he was, he did, he did, he, he had a lot, a, a big part to play in the Cristiano Ronaldo defending. Um, you know, he, 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 they shifted him in the midfield so he would stay kind of anchored in the general area that Ronaldo likes to float into when he cuts inside onto his stronger right foot. And, and Jermaine Jones was there waiting for him every time. And, and, and that was a big reason, one of the big reasons why Ronaldo really could 
going. So he, he did it all, but he was definitely not alone. I mean, I think Fabian Johnson was outstanding. I thought he really showed mm-hmm. well. Um, I thought Matt Beasler was, was mm-hmm. a man of the match, match caliber guy. I mean, he showed again why he's the best center back on the U.S. team. And uh, the contrast was so stark, too, because he had an outstanding game. And then Jeff Cameron obviously had a shocker. Um, and even for me, DeAndre Edlin. I mean, I tell you what, I was when, when he came into the match, I was stunned because I'm like, yeah. really, they're going to play him at right back? <laughs> then he came in and he moves him to the right wing, and it was like a little, it was genius. It was genius on his part. So, you know, they saw a weakness in Portugal's the, the left side of Portugal's defense because when Fabio Contral got hurt, they had no other natural left backs, and they put a, a, a converted midfielder at left back. That didn't work out. Then they put in Miguel Veloso, who's the central midfielder at left back, and he was like a fish out of water as well. And Klinsman saw that. He put in Yedlin with his speed to go right at that area of the field. And Yedlin, you know, had success there. So, mm-hmm. you know, kudos to Klinsman um, for, for seeing that and, and for trying something that they hadn't even practiced. I mean, from, you know, Yedlin after the match said that he hadn't played in that position at all in, in the entire lead up to the tournament. We're not we're talking not in Stanford, not in any of the training camps, the send-off series. It was, it was absolutely Klinsman seeing the situation and saying, we need some speed there. We need somebody to press them right in that area. Who do I have? DeAndre Yedlin. And Yedlin, to his credit, he, he did a good job, which for a 20-year-old kid to make his World Cup debut, yeah. get, thrown in, get thrown in a position he doesn't normally play, I mean, I get my hat's off to him. So that's why, like, for me, I can't kill him too much over the whole maybe he could have wasted time a little better at the very end. You know, yes, he could have done a little better there, but I still think, for me, he was really impressive. Um, some other things from the game that I did notice, with no Jules the outdoor in this game, obviously, but but having Clint Dempsey up top, Clint Dempsey, there you go, I was, uh, up top as kind of the lone forward, I thought it worked out pretty well. I mean, he was involved, he contributed, he, as you know, D- Dempsey's going to do, he's going to play defense, he's going to earn fouls. I thought overall Dempsey did a very good job as a lone forward up top for the team. Yeah, I tell you what, Klinsman definitely surprised a lot of people. Uh, I don't think many people saw that that lineup and that system coming. I, I know somebody, and I know there was at least one person. I can't remember who it was, but there was at least one person who who projected that as. Oh, a, me! As a, you're talking about you're talking about me, right? Because I think I said that Dempsey was going to be on top uh, by himself. Right, right. Okay. I said that, we'll right? To, I think you were we'll the one to, saying that Wando and Aaron Hansen was going to get the start in this game. <laughs> we'll have to listen to the last show <laughs> and, and and rewind that. But no, but I mean, like I said before that game. I could totally see that because the key for them was controlling the midfield and and limiting the passing channels to Ronaldo, and that's exactly why they put that lineup out there. And it and really the strategy worked to a T because they uh, they really contained João Moutinho, Portugal's top playmaker, um, and his so many of his passes were intercepted or blocked, and he could not get the ball to Ronaldo. So I mean, when you look at the chances they had in the match. Um, obviously, the first goal comes on a complete blunder, um, and then the second goal comes on a, on a real breakdown in the final seconds of the match. So for the rest of that match, Portugal really struggled to create chances. I mean, they had a few counters uh, where that were somewhat promising, where Ronaldo, you know, got a step behind the defense, but you know, he couldn't finish him off. So credit again, credit to Klinsman. The game plan he set out for the most part worked, but there were a couple of breakdowns that. You know, as a coach, you can't really account for Jeff Cameron shanking the ball the way he did, or you know, the the defense kind of get, getting caught uh, on the counter at the very end of the match. I mean, that, those are things where you know what he did everything he could as a coach. Um, I know some people would say, "Oh, he should have took Mike Bradley out of the game because he had nothing left," but you know, he didn't have any more subs left, and he, I'm sure, he thought that bringing in Omar Gonzalez to be that big towering presence in the middle of the park. He thought he'd be able to do what needed to be done, and unfortunately, at the on the last play, he wasn't there. 
I, you know, I, I see what you're saying right there, but I'm still, I don't know, I'm under the belief that I thought John Brooks would have done a much better job right there. I, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's because I think hey, that John Brooks did a, right a, a, right, a better job where? Parking is parking in the box. I thought. Look, when I when nothing against not, Omar that, Gonzalez, not, but that's not what Omar Gonzalez was brought in to do. He was brought in to be in the mid. No, I understand that, but but I'm still. I guess I subscribe to the belief that I thought. I, I wish Jurgen would have brought John Brooks in and had him just camp between Jeff Cameron and Matt Beasler. I wish I, I would prefer to see that. But hey, we can't go back and rewind I mean, the but tape. Then you're giving up your midfield. Your mid. Then they can just dribble through your midfield if you have nobody in front. He can take shots from 25 yards out. You want to give Ronaldo shots from 25 yards out? Well, it's not like he was, it's not like he was shooting well all the day, anyways. I mean, he shanked a well, couple was, shots he, before. He wasn't sh- he wasn't getting good shots because they were follow. they were uh, constricting the middle. Follow. They had bodies in the middle. They, there was nowhere for him to go. So you you wanting to put a, a picket fence of defenders in the area? That's not exactly. I don't know if the, how that. Yes, that would have dealt with a cross. But yeah. You know what? If the, the cross isn't there, then he he goes another way. Like like it's he can do so many different things. It's easy to do the twenty twenty hindsight and say, oh well. John Brooks would have been better there. I mean, I, I don't know. No, I it's true, but, the, but then you're bringing up the questions of the midfield should have dropped and all that stuff. But but you said we, we well, can't, they got we can't caught go on back. The counter. Yeah, they got exactly. caught on the counter. Omar Gonzalez got caught, you know. Yeah. And even if he runs back, like he, his, his where he was deployed, it wasn't his job to be in the box on the cross because he wasn't a center back at that point in the game. No, no, true. No, no, and I completely understand that. I, I just... I wish John Brooks was playing. You know, I, I'm just saying. I, w- I would prefer John Brooks to be in the situation. He's faster, stronger. Could anyways. Like you said, 2020. Mm, not for look. If you want to say you would have put him in for Cameron, that's different. But for what Omar was doing, Brooks being in there would not have mattered. That's what I'm telling you. Mm, well, I guess I'm not. Well, I'm not blaming this on Omar. I'm saying that I, I'm saying that this is a mistake by Jurgen. Is what I'm saying. I think this nah, is nah, this is a Jurgen nah, bringing in the wrong person and putting nah, him in the wrong nah, spot. Nah, nah. Mm. Uh, just I, all right, enough of that nonsense. You and I can go back and forth on that. Like you said, 2020 hindsight, I was, I'm right, you're wrong. Regardless, though, how was Manaus? How were the U.S. fans? How was just the whole atmosphere of being there? Uh, it was great. It was Once again, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, the U.S. fans did not dominate the, the stands like they did in, in Natal against uh, Ghana. Uh, you got to give Portugal, uh, Portuguese fans credit because they came to – they came to support their team, and it was a good battle between the fans. I gotta say, because you know, when, at the same time, Portugal was well represented, but the Brazilian fans seemed to be really behind Portugal. Um, so, I mean, at times, you, it was really deafening the the the, the chance from the Portugal fans. But credit to the U.S. fans, they really got it going in the second half. And uh, I, I gotta say, Manaus is a pretty cool city. I mean, I, I, honestly, I would like to have spent a little more time there. But you know, we only had two days there, and uh, one of the most memorable scenes for me of the of, of that whole trip was uh going back to the airport in Manaus and uh and seeing all the US fans just laid out sleeping on the floor in the hotel in the uh, airport terminal uh and I've seen that before at World Cups but not from US fans like I've seen you know Mexico fans uh after a Mexico game you know just laid out sleeping wherever they could find uh, a little piece of land or, or or Florida sleep on it and on on Sunday night in Manaus Sunday night in Manaus you saw red white and blue all over the floors, and it was it was pretty uh, pretty impressive, I got to say. And um, you know, I flew to Recife that night, uh, overnight flight to Recife, and uh, you know, it, it, the plane was like half half U.S. fans and half Mexican fans. There were there were some German fans there, but it was it was pretty unique because you had the Mexican fans heading to to Recife for their game on Monday, and then you had U.S. fans uh, heading heading to Recife early because let's face it, who doesn't want to be in a beach city uh, a few days early? See, I knew it, man. I knew you were just chilling on the beach, having a good time, not working, hanging out with fans. I knew it. 
If only that were true, my man. And for 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 one thing, it's rain. It rains every day. It's rained every day here. Uh, it's nice and sunny in the morning. I will tell you that. Uh, you so you can go and get a little sun, but. You know, we we were able to shoot a video on one of the days when it was sunny, but other than that, it's been a lot of dodging, dodging raindrops, and uh, you know, walking around in soaked clothing. Uh, hopefully, the the rain lets up and and isn't a factor tomorrow uh, on on Thursday for the game. But uh, you know, they're playing at 1 p.m. Uh, local time, so that that's gonna make for interesting things because it could could be a warm one. Um, and I, you know, I tell you what, it's gonna be an interesting uh, atmosphere in the stands because you got a lot of U.S. fans coming into town. Mm-hmm. That that's number one. But there are also a lot of Mexico fans that are still here who are kind of hanging out and are still trying to figure out their next pl- their next stop because, you know, they, they have their game against the Netherlands and, and they have to figure out uh, a place to stay, how to get to where the next game is. Um, and a lot, of their, a lot of their fans have chosen to stay here. So you could actually have a lot of Mexico fans uh, come to the game on Thursday and root for the U.S., believe it or not. I think finally the... The Graham Zuzi gift is is going to start reaping some rewards, and we could see a lot of Mexico fans cheering on the USA on Thursday. Interesting. I, I wonder how most U.S. fans will react to that. You and I have been in the same boat where you know we want all the Concacaf teams to do well. So, one, well, I'm I'm glad to see that Mexico advanced, and and I was happy for them. But I mean, it'd be nice to have the Mexican fans there cheering for the U.S., cheering them on, because I mean the Germans do travel well too. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of German fans at that game. Oh no, no doubt. I, the, trust me, the, the, the Germans have been here since Monday. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, they're 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 here. Trust me, German fans are in the house. They know, and it's an important game. And um, you know, it, it, I mean, the Germans. Let's face it, they, they're pretty much going to go through, uh, barring a big U.S. win. Which I mean, as much as I mean, I think even the most diehard U.S. fan would would probably not expect the U.S. to run away with this game. If the U.S. wins, it'll probably be a close victory. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, you're hearing it from both sides. Neither side wants to play for a draw. They're really going to go at each other, and uh, hopefully, the U.S. defense can hold up because I think the offense will find chances. But the question is, will the U.S. defense be able to deal with a dynamic German attack that's better than either of the teams they've played before? When you want to talk about, you know, all the clo- Muller, Klose, um, um, Mesut Ozil. I mean, there's so many weapons there. Podolski, you name it, they've got it. So um, that that's the real question mark. Can this U.S. defense uh, eliminate those mistakes like the ones we saw from Ruth Cameron and turn in a strong defensive performance? Because they're going to need one if they're going to get a result here. Oh, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, the keys to the match in this one for the U.S., obviously, Ivis is going to be, you know, we, we kind of saw Germany you know, when they played against Ghana. You know, Ghana's back line got exposed a few times. I mean, how does the U.S. approach this? I mean, are, do you think they're going to come out in the way they came out against Portugal, a little conservative to kind of, you know, bend but not break type of situation that maybe kind of get going more as the match goes on type of thing? Or, I mean, are we going to see the U.S. kind of come out and just start attacking from the get-go? I think it's going to be a conservative approach early on. I think, you know, against Ghana, you could kind of afford to do that because you knew their defense was pretty weak as it was, and you knew there was that possibility of overrunning their defense and getting on the board early. Germany's defense is a little bit better than Ghana's. Let's face it, it's a lot better than Ghana. They have obviously the goalkeeper Manuel Neuer is one of the best in the world. So, uh, and they're also so deadly on the counter that you know if you extend yourself early on, you really could put yourself in a hole, and that's the last thing you want to do. You want to start this game out on somewhat even terms. And I think honestly, as much you know, not, not to say these teams are going to play for a tie, but I think there is going to be some conser- some conservatism 
on both sides. I think I think they're gonna, there's going to be a feeling out process. I don't I don't think either team is going to be sending guns blazing. I think Germany will probably attack a bit more just because they come out in a four three three and it's a more attack minded setup to begin with. But uh, if I'm the U.S., I, I'm not trying to like go gung ho in the beginning because again, remember you a draw gets you through. Mm-hmm. You know, even even a one zero loss can get you through. So yeah. The U.S. has to be pretty smart because this isn't a game of FIFA where you're just going to go go nuts and try to attack and attack and attack. No, because you know what? At the end of the day, not that you're playing for a draw, but you have to play smart and understand that uh, you don't want to get down too early. You want to keep the game close and then see what happens. No Josie Altador for the U.S. against Germany. He's out again, which, uh, I mean, it would have been nice to have him up top, having that big body, being able to hold the play up for the U.S. Um, that being said, I mean, do you think we'll see any changes from the lineup that we saw against Portugal? Do you think we'll see Dempsey up top again? Do you think we'll see maybe Dempsey partnered with someone? What, what, what do you think Jurgen might be looking at for this game? That's the good question right there. Um, do you go four four two? Do you switch it up? Do you bring in Wondolowski or Johansson and and, do you, and take out maybe a Graham Zusi who didn't really for me have his best game mm-hmm. uh, against the Germans? Um, so that that's that's a tough one. I really. I really think it's a bit of a coin flip at this point, whether or not they. And I think that's what the change would be. I think you'd take Zusi out and bring a forward in. And you know, looking at the matchups wise, I think Wondolowski might might actually be a pretty solid option for them. Um, so so we'll see. We'll see what Klinsmann decides to do. Um, along those lines, though, if if you're going to go in with a bit of a defensive approach, a bit of a uh, cautious approach, then you could see a four, uh, another another trot out of the four two three one that we saw against Portugal. It is, right now, Michael Bradley, it's, it's interesting to kind of just see him, him struggling because I don't, I don't want to say he's, he's been bad because he's, he's had his good moments. He, he's done well at certain times, but overall his play isn't what we're used to. Um, what do you think the cause of this is? Is there just, he's trying to do too much by filling a, you know, filling a box to box role? Um, is it just, he's just not having a good tournament right now? I mean, what, what do you think is kind of the big thing that's holding Michael Bradley back? Cause I mean, the U.S. is going to need him against Germany to perform against a very stout German midfield led by Philip Lahm. Right. Well, this is definitely the game where he needs to step up. And, um, I do think that there, ha- the, 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 it's interesting to see the reaction of, of a lot of U.S. fans right now. Um, I mean, you have extremes where some people say bench the guy and then you have others more realistic and practical that say, hey, look, the guy's not playing well. He needs to play better. I think he knows that. He said it after the first game. I thought he had a better game the second game, but obviously he got tired late. He puts in so much work that, you know what, at the end of a game like that, especially given the conditions in Manaus with the humidity and everything, it was easy to be worn out. And trust me, Bradley was not the only guy worn out for the U.S. at the end of that game. He just happens to be the one who who turned the ball over at the end. So, um he needs to do better. I don't think anyone can deny that. But, um, you know, I, I don't think there's any mystery reasons or anything like that. I mean, look, Ghana obviously set out to contain him. They set out to, to shut down his passing lanes. They pretty much treated him like the U.S. treated Cristiano Ronaldo. And, and he deserves that kind of respect. And I think in, in one way, I think the backlash you're seeing now from U.S. fans is because the expectations were so high for him. Because I think a lot of people just believed he would come into this tournament and be an absolute star. And once he didn't play like that, there was just that kind of expected backlash. People were like, what the hell is going on with this guy? You're supposed to be better than this. And so then everything else gets magnified. Then you get the turnover late in the game and people are freaking out. Yes, he committed a turnover, but no goal. You know, Generally, goals are a lot are multitude of mistakes. So you can't put it all on him. You can't put some of it on him. But I think, you know what? 
this game is the game for him to step up. And if he's going to show his quality, he's got to do it in this game. Uh, prediction time, not for the score, Ivis, for how many German Americans we'll see in this game. I'm going to go with uh, three. Three, I think we'll see. Actually, we could. You know what? We very well could see four, but I'll go with three. I think three is a safe number. Three. So you have Jermaine Jones for sure. Right. Timmy Chandler. Uh, I'll say Fabian. Well, Fabian Johnson's going to start. Of course. So oh, I'm sorry. I, I skipped him. Yeah. Yes. So those two. Um, and then, yeah, Timmy Chandler. And then, you know. Julie Green appearance. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe we'll see him in. Get a little speed on the left wing. Interesting. Uh, prediction for the score, though, Ivis. What do you think is going to happen? Man, this is the toughest one. I, I mean, I picked the U.S. I almost went two for two on my predictions. I had U.S. two to one against Portugal, and they were they were there until the thirty second mark. Oh my lord, I would have been two in right now with the with the exact score lines. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with a try. I'm gonna go with a, a tie. I'm gonna go with a tie. I'm gonna go with one one draw. Uh, and the goal will be scored by Michael Bradley. I think Michael. I, I know I said it. I feel like I pick him every game, but I think this is the game where he steps up and shows his quality. And and we're gonna have uh, shades of Claudio Arena circa 2002, back when Claudio Arena turned in like what might have been the best game of his career, his national team career against Germany in the World Cup quarterfinals in 2002. And maybe now we'll have another New Jersey-born midfielder step up and face the Germans and and really turn turn a Turn the game, control the game, like Claudio Arena did that day. Oh, that I, that would be, I mean, outstanding. If I mean, it'd be awesome for Bradley to do that. And, you know, kind of erase some of that second match performance against Portugal. I mean, as you said, U.S. moves on with a draw in this one. As everyone knows, a loss doesn't eliminate them. Ghana would have to beat Portugal. Um, you know, they have to win the tiebreaker on goal differential and stuff like that. But for the U.S., though, I mean, what a big opportunity for them, Ivis, even to win the group of this group of death. Like, I mean, let, let's say, really, I mean, you know, looking at this, I mean, if the U.S. wins, I mean, you have a chance to be playing Russia or Algeria in the second match, you know, avoid Belgium, which that would be really nice for the U.S. So, I mean, the U.S. so far in this group, look, the, the draw against Portugal was, was not the best. But, look, if someone before said, you know, U.S. is going to go into the Germany game with four points, they're going to have four goals scored. You know, I think overall the U.S. has looked pretty good at this World Cup. No, they have. They have. And and uh, look, uh, it's tough to see them beating the Germans. But if they beat Germany and then and then we end up with a potential U.S.-Algeria rematch, I mean, how amazing would that be? Let's be honest. I mean, uh, you know, you know, the Algerians are I mean, they're praying for it, obviously, because they don't want to play Germany, but they'd love the chance for some revenge. I'm sure that Landon Donovan goal is, uh, you know, still lingering in the in the minds for, for the, the their fans. But um the first step, first things first. The U.S. have to have to find a, a way to beat. The, I don't. I don't see them beating Germany. I really don't. Really. But I. But I do see them being able to draw. Um, it's just the Germans are so good. And I know. Look, I know Ghana tied them. I know Ghana sh- uh, exposed some things that maybe the U.S. could take advantage of. But Germany is so good. It's tough, man. It's tough. I will say a draw. I do like. I like. I, I think we can see a draw. Well, if the U.S. does advance out of the group, that will be three out of four CONCACAF teams that have moved on. I think little people would have predicted that Costa Rica would win their group. Uh, Mexico, I mean, their group wasn't easy. You know, playing against uh, Brazil, Croatia is, is a very good team. But, um, I mean, Mexico, Ivis, they just they just take out the beating stick on Croatia, score three goals late in the second half. I mean, Rafael Marquez gets a goal. How awesome was that? You were at the game, and it looked like a really just kick-ass atmosphere. And I mean, Mexico, I mean, they look pretty dangerous right now. They look good. They're playing with confidence. They're playing as a team. Um, and, 
you know, I, they're they're fun to watch. I mean, I got to say, the way they took it to Croatia. I mean, I had Croatia coming out of that group, and then even going into that game, I had Croatia winning that game. But I tell you what, when I walked, when I stepped into the stadium here in in Hasifi, and and you saw the turnout from the Mexican fans. I mean, look, I've been to the Mexico World Cup games before. I've seen Mexico fans just really come and represent. But I mean, the atmosphere was amazing, and that has to help a team. You know, when you almost feel like you're in a home game and your fans are just behind you 100%. And I think that energizes you. And, and they went out to attack. You know, they only needed a draw. It's easy to forget. They only needed a draw mm-hmm. to get through. They didn't play like it, though. They played like a team that wanted to win. Yes. Wanted all three points. And it might have taken them a while to get there. But once they started, once they found that first goal, the, the floodgates opened and Croatia couldn't deal with it. And Mexico now will play the Netherlands in the round of 16. Uh, I mean, as we've all seen with, with the Dutch, they're all over the place. They can go out and spank Spain 5-1, to one, then barely beat Australia 3-2. to two. So, I mean, look, I think that could be a favorable matchup for Mexico. And, and someone brought up a, a really good point. If Mexico is able to d- defeat the Netherlands, I mean, they have a potential of playing Costa Rica or Greece in the quarterfinals. I mean, Mexico could well be on their way to the semifinals, Ivis. Well, we have to say, I mean, it's not just about Mexico, Costa Rica, too. You could have a Mexico-Costa yeah. Rica quarterfinal guaranteeing a CONCACAF team in the semis. And we do have to talk about Costa Rica because they've really been one of the stories of the tournament, if not the story. They tie England 0-0. They had already clinched their spot in the top 16. And they finished in first place in a group that, you know, probably second only to the U.S. group in terms of toughness. Uh, you know, when you want to talk about Italy, Uruguay, and England, most people had Costa Rica in last place in that group. And for them to win that group is just unbelievable. They're playing extremely well. And now they play a Greece team that you got to say. A gift from the Costa soccer Rica- gods. Costa Rica's the favorite, right? Costa Rica yeah. should beat them. Look, I know Greece is a tough defensive team. They're not easy to break down. But Costa Rica, the way they're playing right now, you have to like their chances in that game. And if it is a Costa Rica-Mexico quarterfinal, that's going to be a fun one to watch. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. And then it'd be guaranteed a CONCACAF team in the semifinals. I, I, that, is, that, that Costa Rica playing Greece, that is a gift from the soccer gods, though, Ivis. No, that was a foul, buddy. No, 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 no. Regardless of foul, but I mean, the fact that Costa Rica gets to take on Greece, that Greece emerged from that group as the team they're going to be taking on. Greece, they're just, they're sloppy, man. They're all over the place. It's not that they're sloppy. They're just not that fun to watch. I mean, they play an ugly brand. They are like these, <laughs> they're like the San Jose earthquakes of, uh, of this World Cup. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, no, no, but look, you know what? Greece played ugly soccer on their way to winning a European championship back I know, in 2004. It's amazing. So. Not that they're going to do that here, but um, they can make things difficult. But I think, again, Costa Rica, man, their defense is playing well. Kaylor Navas is, you could argue, been the goalkeeper of the tournament. And Joel Campbell and Brian Ruiz uh, wreak havoc on the opposing mm-hmm. defenses. So for me, I like Costa Rica. i tell you what, at this point, I, I, Costa Rica, I could see Costa Rica making a run to the semifinals. That would, dude, that would be awesome. I, I, I... I think that'd be so cool. And, if you, and no one would have had that predicted. Um, some other predictions that people did have correct, Ivis was that Luis Suarez would bite someone. I think I saw a guy win a bet. I think he won like two grand off of betting that Suarez would bite someone. I mean, what what is he thinking, especially on the World Cup stage? Garrett, he's not thinking. He clearly is not thinking. He's lost his mind. He's got this thing where he just loses it. He sees red. And we've seen that from other players. You know, someone like Rafa Marquez is an example. Not that Marquez bites people, but he, he will he will lose his mind a bit. And all of a sudden, he's headbutting people, cleating people, elbowing people. Suarez just takes it to a whole nother level with this whole walking dead biter thing. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, 
I, I mean, he's gone, man. He's that. He's that. He's got to be out of this tournament, and who knows how long the suspension is going to be? If it's any, I mean, I can't see it being less than six months. I don't think he's going to see a soccer field again in this in 2014. I think he'll be if he's lucky, he'll be back for 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 2015. If he's lucky. He'll be back for the start of next year. What is uh, not that again a club situation? But I'm sure there's still teams that would like to purchase Suarez for their team. I mean, what is what does Liverpool do in this situation now? You got me, man. You got me. I'm sure they would want to keep him um, because you know they're not going to give the guy away. He's a valuable commodity. Yeah. But, I mean, I know. I mean, right now, advertising sponsors are jumping ship, and and a lot of people are really shaking their heads because this behavior is just ridiculous i mean to do it in a world cup i mean it's like you're not playing in a sandlot where no one is around you're playing in the biggest sporting event on earth millions of a million cameras watching you can't get away with anything where it won't be seen so for him to do what he did and then have the absurd the gall to pretend his his mouth hurt. It's like, <laughs> it's like you hurt my mouth with your shoulder that I put in my mouth. It's like it was unbelievable. Yeah. But I, and it's sad. You know what? This it's sad because the guy is an amazing yep. player. He is an he's one of the best players in the world, and he is a complete lunatic. And it's unfortunate. Hopefully, it's you know maybe maybe he just needs some therapy. Maybe he needs some kind of psychological treatment, something to kind of get him out of that habit. Because the guy is such a special player that it's it's really sad that that you know we're going to be cheated out of the quality and the beauty of his game because of just this ugly side to him. Yeah, I mean when he's on, Ivis, we saw him against England. Just on towards us, he's as everyone agrees, is a very fun player to watch. Maybe he needs just a summer at your house with your discipline. Maybe that's what he needs. Oh, I'd, 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 I'd whip him into shape, trust me. That's what I'm saying. Maybe we need to start this Get Suarez to Ivis' house campaign. Nah, no. He's gonna, <laughs> the guy might be in a jail cell at this point. I don't know where he's going to end up. Um, the round of 16, though, is quite interesting when you, when you talk about Uruguay. I mean, they're going to be taking on Colombia, and then the, the winner of that one could potentially be taking on Brazil or Chile. I mean, those are four quality teams right there, all going to be fighting against each other to get to that semifinal round. No, it's yeah. There's a lot of quality there, and uh, you know, Colum- I, I mean, you gotta like Colombia. They're playing extremely well right now, and playing in Uruguay without Suarez, you gotta like. I'm gonna be at that game in Rio. You have to pick them, and in Brazil, Chile, man, that is not an easy game by any means for Brazil. Nope. I I know Chile lost to the Netherlands, but if you didn't see the game, Chile really took it to the Netherlands. The the Netherlands, you know, the Dutch really were pragmatic, and 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 they were very defensive minded as much as the their manager kind of seems to be offended at that notion but chile goes at you and brazil doesn't know how to any do anything but go at you as well so i think brazil chile is going to be absolute fireworks so i, I can't wait to see that one because i think that one's going to have a lot of goals and it's going to be back and forth and you know i'll pick brazil but chile man if they beat them i will not be shocked at all what about colombia i think colombia could potentially beat brazil Mm, yeah, possible. Colombia is playing I mean, really well right now, man. They are, but that group is pretty weak as well. I mean, that group's not anything anything to write home about. So, I mean, I think they still miss Falcao. I mean, they, obviously, James Rodriguez, James Rodriguez is playing out of his mind. I mean, we're talking best eleven caliber for the tournament type player right now, mm-hmm. and uh, I think people, you know, who might not have been aware of the quality that he has because he's played, you know, in in the French league. I mean, this kid is legit. So it's great to see him really kind of emerge. Um, and I like Colombia the, the way they play, yep. and and, the, and it was a great touch to see Farid Mondragon 
the former Philadelphia Union goalkeeper, enter the match as a sub and become the oldest player to ever play in a World Cup. I mean, that was a great moment. Jose Peckerman, hats off to him for that. Uh, you have Carlos Valdez, former Philadelphia Union player, starting on that team as well. Um, so yeah, no, they're fun. They're gonna. They're not gonna be easy to knock out. They're fun to watch. But I, I, I just have a hard time picking Brazil, uh, picking against Brazil unless it's Argentina. I think our, right now Argentina is a team that I could absolutely see winning the whole thing. So they're your pick right now. Who's your pick, Brazil or Argentina? Well, I picked Brazil before the tournament, so I kind of have. Have you to changed your mind Brazil. though? You're allowed to change your nah, mind. I mean, right now it's look. I mean, Messi looks ridiculous right yeah. now. Messi, Messi is playing like the old Messi, and 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 that really bodes well for for them for Argentina. So, uh, I would say it's going to be. I, you know, I said it before the tournament. It's going to be those two teams in the final with Brazil winning. But the way Messi's playing right now, I think it could be Brazil Argentina with Argentina winning. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, Messi and Neymar both have four goals right now to lead all goal scorers in the tournament. Um, Ivis, that wraps up today's SBI show. I'll let you get back at it. I know you've been busy with Goal.com and Soccer by Ivis News. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure you have a bunch more articles to write today. So I'll let you get back. Yes, sir. And uh, be sure to check out Goal.com uh, as well as my work with the Sony Ambassador Project. I've been uh, doing videos and, and writing up blogs for them as well. I actually wrote a pretty, uh, what I thought, an interesting column. Uh, reaching out to England fans uh, and trying to get them to to come support the U.S. now, since their team is already, uh, you know, they've already gotten on the plane and, and they're heading home. Their, their World Cup's over, so uh, I'm trying to bring the U.K. fans over. And, and I, I I wrote a column, pretty much breaking down why they should support the USA. So I, I doubt any of them will take me up on it, but I thought it was an interesting topic. So I, keep, I, uh, keep an eye out for that. I read it. It looks it was pretty convincing, Ivis. I would say. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. I'm sure we'll see. We'll see how many of them show up tomorrow. <laughs> well, I'd look, and I, I do want to say I want to apologize to our listeners for not us not getting more shows out. Unfortunately, the internet situation here in Brazil has been really bad. Um, we pretty much record when I when we can coordinate our schedules with me at a stadium because the stadium internet is pretty reliable. But mm-hmm. beyond that, I mean, like the hotel internet has been absurd. No matter where we go, no matter how good the hotel supposedly is. For whatever reason, they haven't figured out how to get the internet to work properly. So, you know, we've been stuck on that front. So uh, uh, bear with us and, and we'll definitely uh, try to have a show after the game on, uh, on I don't even know what day it is, on Thursday. Uh, yes. To, to talk about USA Germany and, and, and talk about where the U.S. will be going from there. Hopefully it's a, a round of 16 match rather than a flight home to, uh, to the USA. Ivis, man, you enjoy the rest of your day. I'll catch up with you and uh, enjoy the USA game, man. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the views. Thank you for the comments. Ivis and I will be back again on Thursday recapping USA versus Germany. This is the SBI Show.